Good everybody, Andrea Renee here with the Red Dead Redemption 2 spoiler cast. It goes without saying there will be major story spoilers throughout the duration of this special episode. So if you want to avoid those, maybe don't listen. If you want to check out the full episode 87 aired on January 11th, head on over to youtube.com slash what's good games or download it on your favorite podcast service. All right, without further ado... I feel like I need to play that Western music. You're welcome. There's the horse in the background. That was a dolphin horse. That's definitely a dolphin, not a horse. Okay. Andrea, I love you, but we have lots of requests for you not to eat while we're shooting the show. It's one bite of jerky and then I'm not eating anything else. Okay. I literally have nothing else to eat in the studio. You also, know. who's making these requests? I'm a hungry person. People on iTunes giving those one-star reviews. Oh, no. Um, nom, nom. A That's one no star reason. review? That's no reason for a one-star on review. I don't eat on the show every week. It's just every once in a while. Hey, I, I know. But these are not people that think normally that we're talking about. I support you in your eating habits 100%. It's okay, not I want to talk about Red Dead. Okay. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So, how do we start this? Because... Good Lord, I have a lot of things to say, but I'm not sure where okay. to kick off. Okay. So I so we should preface this. Andrea and Simer just recently finished this. I finished this back in October? November? November. November? It came out October 26th. Yeah, I did not finish it that soon. So definitely in November. I was I'm a little lying. rusty. That was Assassin's Creed release date. When did this come out? October 13th? No. What's the release date of this game? October Twenty. Yeah, I don't fucking remember. It's been eighty days and eighty nights. Well, eighty years. I don't it's know. It's been eighty-four years. I October. Believe. No, it was October twenty-sixth. Yeah, okay. twenty sixteen. Twenty eighteen. So I, I watched some things and I got a refreshed, refreshed memory. And in watching all these cutscenes, oh my god, I got really sad really fast. Because dude, it's so fucking <sighs> depressing. Like the whole arc. I immediately. I was so glad you had finished it, Brittany. Because as soon as I well, actually, let's just okay. I guess do we just talk about what happens? Well, do wanna, first, do, we probably shouldn't start at the end. Why not? Right? We should probably I want to talk start, about that. <laughs> we should probably start with some of the 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 major beats. So, obviously, the story centers around new protagonist Arthur Morgan. <laughs> He's part of the Dutch Vandaling gang. We all know this, and there's a bunch of other members of the gang. So you're on the run from the law from a crime that you committed in Blackwater. And you don't that ever actually wrong. go to Blackwater during the main game because, lol, why would you ever go back there? Because there's supposed to be money hidden there. That was a, a big gripe I had that we never actually went to Blackwater. And then you jump into Red Dead Online unwittingly. You're in Blackwater. I'm like, oh, spoilers. <laughs> Wait, didn't Dutch go back to Blackwater and get the money, though? That's I think at one point they say Dutch went back to Blackwater took, and took the money. That's why there's no reason to go back there. I mean, according to the story. That's why uh, it, I think it, that there was that's, still theory. No, he kept saying it was still there, but like, we just I, need a little more money. We just need more money. I've got okay. a plan. You're like, shut the fuck up, Dutch. I could be wrong, but I believe Abigail told Arthur he went back and got the money. She overheard a conversation, which is why in the ending where if you go back for the money, it's there and she gives right, you the no, key. I mean, publicly, he I wasn't I don't think he was like touting that. 
But yes, oh, sure, he, do- sure, he sure. does have the money. It is in a cave. He like hides it near him. Mm-hmm. But um, I think pu- like to the, to the gang, it's like, no, we don't know. Oh, the money's still tied up. We still need more. Which, no, I'm- you don't. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. Okay, so the camp, camp focus. That's a story beat we want to talk about. Yeah, so let's talk about the camp mechanic to start with. What did you two think about the whole rigmarole of building the camp, upgrading the camp, really kind of creating a camaraderie with your gang mates? What's uh, yeah, clan the, mates, your crew, gang members? I don't know. Gang. At first, I was spending a lot of my time in camp, checking out what conversations I could see and witness, um, and trying to build up, you know, what I could. Donating a lot of my money, I wanted everyone to like me. I liked it when I walked by and they gave me positive reinforcement. But what I found myself not caring about were the cosmetics um, additions you can make. You know, if you wanted to put the skulls above like a tree or if you wanted to give someone a cowhide rug or whatever it was, I didn't really care enough. What I did do was upgrade all of the um, was like the I gave myself like a fast travel. I upgraded all the little stations or whatever they were. And that was as far as it went for me. So as far as the upgrading part of it, I I upgraded it as much as I could, like with that gave me in-game benefits. But after that, I didn't care enough to do that. Yeah, same. same. Uh, I definitely, I think that it was really cool the way like you would just stumble upon people's conversations. And if you walked close enough to them, you would initiate uh, or you would like jump in a little bit automatically. Um, it was just interesting to see those dynamics brewing and like seeing who kind of got along, who did not get along, what was going on there. Um, but yeah, once I upgraded the camp uh, to Brittany's point, I was kind of done with it. Um, didn't care about the cow skin rugs, the cow <laughs> but skin I think rug. that's fine. Most people, I don't I, really think it, that it was to for. me, it was very clear that those activities were designed for somebody who wants to spend 500 hours in this game, yeah, which you can, because mm-hmm. a lot of the skins that you need to acquire the perfect skins that you need to acquire, by the way, in yeah. order to get those it seemed like such busy work that I was like, nah, dog. Yeah, you gotta like tag the thing through and then go hunt it down and not put too many bullets in it. And you're like, eh. Yeah. Going off of the camp focus, I mean, this is based off of that, but just the dynamic of those characters, like you were saying, Simer, just the conversations you'd find. I think those were some of my most memorable moments because I knew, I had a feeling going into this game that Sure, everyone's here. Like, we just suffered some losses. Obviously, some shit in Blackwater went down. But everyone's here. Our morale is high. I I had a feeling that as the game goes on, everyone's probably going to fucking end up dead. So knowing that, I really appreciated the moments when everyone was alive and together and happy. And there were some of those moments in the beginning when Karen would be singing by herself in front of the fire. After a big party, everyone was drunk and stumbled off to bed. But she was just singing a very sad song by herself in front of a fire and I just watched her sing it and I was like ooh that was pretty moving and then there was this other moment after another random time I came back to camp and everyone was drunk again everyone stumbled off to their own little campsites and uncle was out there it was uncle or Bill uh, sitting by the campfire by himself and just singing this song about um, I even wrote it down he said to our beloved West we say goodbye and then, like, the thunder just cracked at that moment above, and it started raining. And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I got goosebumps. So I was like, oh, my God. Because, obviously, knowing what happens in Red Dead Redemption, you know, you're right. The West is gone. You know, outlaws yeah. are no longer a thing. You can't just run around the the world, the country doing what you want. Surprise. Like, 
And uh, that was super crazy. And I had a lot of those moments around the camp where I just saw these interactions that I just stumbled across. And it yeah. was just oh. that was the main reason why I ever ever wanted to go back to camp was to see what was going on with everybody there and to see what new conversations I could find like when I would go back. Be like, ooh, is like something gonna go down? Is Abigail gonna yell at John? Like, or is like, <laughs> all right, like, what's going on here? Like, someone's someone's yelling at someone usually uh, when you have as many people as there are in camp, which is a decent number. There's always gonna be people butting heads, but then. What you're saying about the singing was really cute. I remember when you moved to, is it the second or the third camp where it's the house? Um, and like Javier starts singing and they all just have like a really nice um, moment moment together. And they're just, there were a lot of little things like that where you did feel attachment to these characters. And I think I had, before I really got, you know, too deep into the game, I remember thinking how horrifying it was going to be for me at the end because I thought, oh no, this is going to turn the character I love, John Marston, into some sort of like yeah. monster because how could you essentially like turn your back on like a group that you've been with for so long? Um, I don't feel that way anymore. Good. Yeah, the, but- the arc of John Marston throughout this game is, is really fascinating and, and we'll get to that in just a second. Um, I want to talk about the first major beat of the game that really got me hooked on the story. Because if you guys remember, when we first all started playing this, I was having a really tough time getting into it. It was painfully slow in the first two chapters of the game. And it wasn't until we got to Rhodes that I really started getting invested in the gang and invested in the story where it really started to pick up. So... You do a successful bank heist in Valentine, and then you have a shootout with Cornwall and his men. And then, of course, the gang is forced to relocate when Agent Milton discovers the location of their camp, which, another plot hole, after he runs into Arthur and Jack fishing by the river, he easily could have just followed them back to wherever camp was, because it turns totally. out camp was real close. Right, and up he didn't. The, right up the road. <laughs> but then the game would be really short. Um, so in Rhodes, they, of course, meet the two families, the Greys and the Braithwaites, and I thought this was a really fun little arc between these two families, because... It just um, it made for a good old-fashioned rivalry, kind of reminded me a little bit of like a Romeo and Juliet kind mm-hmm. of esque. And I think they even reference Romeo there, and Juliet, There right? is literally that- a quest line that is basically Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And you help so these two rival two families. Go. Of course, Dutch is like, let's play both sides and pit them against each other because they're totally never going to find maniac. out. Like, he just uh. thinks he can get away with murder, which he has for a very long time, oh, yeah. to be fair. But like, it's one of those people where they just vastly overestimate their skills and it's not to say that they're not skilled dutch is clearly a silver-tongued master but you got to know your limits man (laughs) yeah exactly um and clearly the the first kind of limit that comes to them is when sean gets killed Mm. and that death was really kind of took me by surprise i mean i think we all knew going in that clearly not all the gang members are going to make it to the end right somebody's got to die in this game fucking bill um, but yeah, I was just like, I was like, how, it happened so quickly. Felt like it just like poof out of the blue. He was, he was gone. And then you get into this firefight. It was really intense. It kind of put you in an emotional place. I watched all of the death scenes before we shot this. And I remember specifically when Sean was shot in the head, 
this is not good. I mean, Bill brokered this deal with the, was it the Grays, I think? And and Arthur Morgan's like, yo, dog, we just burned their fields. They, and Bill's like, oh, they don't know that's us. And we sold their horses. Oh, that's fine. And then they're just having a conversation. And Sean's just like, you think this is, and then kaboom, his head is just gone. And then he yeah. lays down. And then Bill's like, you think he's dead? And Arthur's like, of course he's dead. Look at him. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> But it, like you said, Andrea, it was so sudden and it just you weren't expecting it. Usually like in that sort of instance, you're kind of expecting like a gunshot or something. But bam. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't think I the, wasn't emotionally torn up about that one, uh, mostly because it wasn't a character that I mean, you cared about you cared about that much. You uh, didn't like his accent. Admit it. I was just like. Shut I up. liked him. No, no, he was silly. He, he was brought fine. Nice comic relief. Yeah, he was fine. He was, he was fine. the definition of fine. But um, <laughs> I do think it was it was a shock. It was a jolt to the system because it was just the timing of it and the way that they they put it together that way. But I wasn't like, oh, I'm so sad. Sean's dead. Um, and I felt that way with a couple of the people where I'm like, you were just. They definitely bloated the gang in my mind so that they could thin the gang. And obviously, you knew going into it, if you played Red Dead Redemption, Bill makes it out, Javier makes it out, Dutch makes it out. Like, you knew those things going in. I wouldn't say they bloated it just to kill them off. I would say that those characters added a lot. Because I liked, I liked Sean's little, like, Irish quips, right? And the relationship between him and Karen. It was fun to watch those two bicker. And when I saw his death, I was like, dang, like, I'm not going to get any more of those. Did you mm-hmm. guys see that when they went in the tent and boinked? No! Yeah, they go in a tent and they boink. Oh, oh no. poor Karen! All, they're all very drunk. They totally had a thing for each other, and it was oh, really funny to that watch makes me them. Sad now. Yeah, that's sad. Anyway, I think that yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that. So, I like, so I, I well, I, the Grace and Braithwaite. I also like we were talking about. I love those two characters. The I can't remember their name. I'm sorry because it's been 84 years or however long. It's been 84 but, uh, years. I wish you mean um the 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 boy and the girl. Yeah, yeah. So it's Penelope um, and ooh, what's his name? I just okay. finished this quest. I should know it, but I don't remember. I know because I just did a, the, I just did one of Penelope's because I I almost didn't do her last the last mission for those Bo. two before his name I, is Bo. Bo, that's Bo. right. And I really liked their story. I thought it was really cute. And I really liked Penelope as a character. I thought she was really progressive, and it was fun to see that in uh, that eighteen ninety nine. And same with Bo, but uh, I wish we would have seen a little bit more. I feel like if there was some content cut out of Red Dead Two, like it could have been something expanding on them, because I thought that they had a really fun story and chemistry, and then they leave, and then that's kind of it. You never hear from them again, which I guess is okay. But I would have liked to have seen more of them. I feel like there should have been more. Maybe I'm just. I feel like there was a long burn both of those houses to the ground. One of them, quite literally, right? So, like Grandma Braithwaite kidnaps Jack, which was a pretty surprise turn of events for me. That I'm like, how did they get Jack away from camp? Like, was nobody like looking after him? How did you let the Braithwaites get so close to camp? I mean, but they're supposed to have like a perimeter, like around the camp, right? right? Like a security thing. And it was like, I was like, okay, I guess it makes sense that you know they're gonna kidnap him. I was just like. Please, Rockstar, don't hurt the kid. Like, don't do anything to him. Like, well, you sure knew he's okay. Jack was fine too. Yeah, and obviously he was fine. Um, but like, um, I, I thought that that was a really fun moment—the first moment that like the whole gang is coming together, and you have that that epic cutscene where they're yeah. all like walking down that yeah, tree-lined road, mm-hmm. right? And they've all got their guns, and they're like. 
we're here to fuck shit up. You know, it's it was yeah, that really was cool. awesome. Yeah, I think and fuck shit up. With, we did when any of this stuff with Jack happens. I mean, granted, he's so young in this that I don't know, but it did make me wonder, like how this shapes him as a human being for the next games you know like oh is, is he like weird and quiet and reserved because he did spend some time with this italian mobster or like is it <laughs> is it a th- or are you or are yeah. you so young at that point that it's just you're a blank slate and, and you forget it you're a goldfish like you forget i don't know i'm not that up to speed on children's <laughs> development yeah yeah and i mean speaking of jack kind of going off a bit i thought it was so fascinating when you run into edgar ross the first time when you're fishing oh my god yeah oh with arthur so and wait Andrea, so who is this guy edgar ross is okay so in red dead redemption edgar ross is the one that you're that essentially kills john marston and after three years not three years later i don't know how many years later three i think about three years later you are jack marston that's how you who you play in the epilogue and then you get your revenge on edgar ross and you kill him in a, in a very satisfying yeah it, it's very very shootout a uh, shootout it's very very satisfying and so when you see little jack and then you see edgar ross approaching him and there is this exchange like well i think edgar ross just says a few things to jack i was like oh shit sir that little kid's gonna fuck you up someday literally he's gonna kill you because you're gonna kill his dad and he's gonna be very very sad about it and mad and angry and he's gonna get his redemption and shoot you in the face yes. um i thought that was a pretty uh cool moment to see that yeah just it's knowing what would happen the way that they allowed those two characters to meet. Uh, uh, that was my first, like, holy shit moment. So he found him when he was fishing, and you find him when he's fishing, and you kill him Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. He's retired, trying he's to live retired. a good life. And you're like, no, motherfucker. We're gonna you're fucking, like, uh, suck it. Here's my God. gun. It's in your face. You're dead. That's that for killing good. my daddy. Yeah. So, like, they d- they actually did a lot of really interesting mirroring things in Red Dead Redemption 2 with other arcs, which we'll get to. Um, but I always, I think that's really clever, like, what they did with those. That was Yeah. It was very nice. Also, so that brings us to what? Oh, no, say Uncle dies at the end of Red Dead Redemption, if you didn't know. For those of you who are listening. He, uh, he's Rip. apparently, I don't, I didn't remember him at all. Uh, Samer and I were texting about this. I also this. don't remember him. Like, it was, was so Uncle weird. in Red Dead Redemption, and then he was. I think he's there the whole game, and he then is. he dies at the very end. He's uh, shot during the final shootout. It was so. so funny. I was like, oh, that's bizarre to me that... He's gotten so lucky staying alive that long, quite I know. Frankly. Of all people, a fucking uncle. The one who I feel like doesn't know his ass from the drunk whole ground. Drunk uncle, like the literal definition of drunk uncle. Yeah. Um. So this brings us to Santini. Uh, the New Orleans knockoff town in this world where Jack has been kidnapped by the Braithwaite and given to this guy, Bronte, who is, as Steimer mentioned, an Italian mobster. Um, I had unexpectedly stumbled upon Santini before getting to this point in the story, and I was yeah. very clearly like, nope, I'm not supposed to be here yet. <laughs> Um, so I, I, I went there because I was like, it's got the nice tailor. I want to get some new clothes. <laughs> I know. Right. I was like, mm, the gunsmith, let's do this. Um, so of course there's, um, more side missions. You meet some new weird characters. This is where, and Santini is where I found the vampires. Did you guys ever I've find never the vampires? Found the vampires. I never found them. I've no. heard of them. People mentioned them in like other quests that I did, but I never found them. 
Yeah, so I was just out riding in the swamps, like um, trying to get alligator skins, I think, or something. Or maybe I was going on one of the side quests, uh, going to pick something up for somebody. And um, I had gotten off my horse to go like get closer to something. And then this this girl started screaming and then she started running at me and her face was all white and she had these crazy teeth and she was just like ah! and I was like oh my gosh what are you doing and then um there was like three more of them all trying to like kill me and I was oh, like no. this is these are definitely the vampires of Red Dead Redemption 2 um it was a uh, I, I think that's what makes Red Dead really special and why I think it deserves a lot of accolades is because those are special narrative moments that are unique to each individual's playthrough. I think they should be applauded, but also are a little bit infuriating because there are some moments that I've heard other people had that I got really kind of upset that I didn't get to have. And I part of me wishes that they weren't procedurally or randomly generated. I actually don't know how those narrative events spawn in the world. Like what is the tech behind that or how you get them to spawn. But I remember watching the Ku Klux Klan scene as John played through it through it and was like, oh, I can't wait to watch all the Klan members burn. It's going to be such a fun scene because it's so funny and stupid. And then I never got it. It never, never spawned it for me. I, got I never that. saw it. Yeah, I think it just comes to right place, right time. And so I, yeah, I understand because this is the kind of game, at least for me and I'm probably for you ladies, we won't play this again because it's such a big game and we have things to do. It would have been cool to maybe been able to buy with obviously in-game currency, like a tip sheet or something that would said like, hey, like at this time you should co- come here to see something kind of stupid or whatever. And you could have followed that. Or like the and rumors are saying that the rumors are saying something like that because that was a hilarious scene. And I replayed that scene over and over again. I, I let them set themselves on fire. I shot them before you could do anything and then reading the notes on them. Oh, my God, it was so good. And I'm sad I didn't get the vampires because I remember when we were we were coming home from somewhere, Andrea, you, Simon, and I, and we were all pretty tipsy. And you're like, did you see the vampires in Red Dead? And John was like, whoa, spoilers. But I was like, no, that's cool. And I was looking forward to seeing the vampires, but I never even heard them anyone talk about it before. So I didn't even get close to that one. It would have been nice. but Yeah, outside, outside of Saint-Denis in the swamps to like the northeast. If you want to try to go find them, that's where they spawned for me um, in those weird shacks. There was also a shack where... I was out walking and this guy was on his porch and he like called out to me and he was like, hey, why don't you come over here? And I was like, oh, I'm trying to be an honorable person. Why don't I go over and say something nice? And then, of course, he like clubbed me on the face and like dragged me into his hut. And who knows what happened? I woke up like in the field like the next morning where you like without you my clothes. Kidneys. Yeah, I was like, what the hell was that? And what's crazy is that there was something that happened to me in the very end of the game um, in the epilogue as I was playing um, in Blackwater. Uh, I got off my horse and I was walking over to the saloon and I heard this um, this um, like this woman and this man clearly like they were getting robbed or something was happening to them on the street. So I was like, oh, let me go over there and help them. And I had pulled my gun out. And by the time I got around the corner, the... Uh, the robber shot the wife and so I shot the robber 
And I walked over there and the the man is on the ground like weeping over the body of his wife. And I'm like, oh, my God, I was literally like just a few seconds too slow in getting over there to save them. And I was like, well, I had just booted up my game from not playing. I was like, oh, why don't I reload into the game and then I'll just rush right over there and I'll save them so I can save her. And so I did it. I booted up the game and I walked over there. They weren't there. That oh. that that instance didn't spawn the second time I loaded up my game. And it was it's fascinating because it's on one hand it's like oh it's really cool that they've made each experience unique and that you can't change the output of what happens just like in real life like shit happens and once it happens it happens there's no going back. But on the other hand I'm like I hate that that's the way the tech works. You know, like it makes mm-hmm. me really angry because I'm like, no, I want to save her. Let me just fucking save her. She's dead, Andrea. She's dead. She Let was... her go. Okay. Yeah. That, well, in, my, in the new instance, though, I took solace. Sorry, Brittany, just to finish no, no, this. No. Yeah. In the new instance, I took solace in the fact that she never was threatened at all in the new instance. She never had to go through that. So she's alive somewhere That's living. true. That's perfect. Best life. Yeah. yeah. No, I have nothing to add to that. That's awesome. Yeah. But so uh, we were talking about Saint Denis. Uh, The Pinkertons, of course, are back. And then um, this is kind of where Hosea kind of takes a little bit more of a step forward um, in the story. And I really like Hosea as a character. I think he's the glue that's clearly holding the gang together because Dutch is a little bit of a hothead. And while he's the mastermind behind all the movements the gang makes – Hosea is really the brains of the operation. And it's clear that Hosea is losing his influence with Dutch and that Dutch is at this point just really starting to go off the rails a little bit. And you start to question what Dutch's motives really are and why he's really keeping Hosea and Arthur who have been his like best buds for a long time at arm's length and why Micah fucking, fucking Micah, Micah. <laughs> um, fucking is Micah. becoming you know more influential and so this is really like chapter three to chapter four is really where the story turns and in hindsight and I've said this now and we've talked about it on, on the show before I wish I would have known to go around the open world and do all of the side quests and maybe go after the legendary animals and do more exploring before this point. Because from here, it's when shit really starts to get crazy. And then, of course, um, you know, Arthur gets sick. But before that, we've got fucking Gorma. Ah, yeah. Gorma. So... Now, this happens, I believe I have my timeline correct, right after Hosea and Lenny are killed. Yeah. Which, every- by the way, so fucking sad. The Hosea just said that really Lenny sad. is killed right after you do this amazing, fun, drunk mission. Dude, you guys, oh, do you yeah. remember that mission where you get wasted with Lenny? That yes, was such a Lenny. good mission. That was one of my favorite <laughs> parts. Of, and I wish for, I don't know if I mentioned him, I don't think I did, but I would have nominated him for best NPC for our Game of the Words nomination because he was so fun. And that mission was so great. And the way Hosea went out and died is so sad. I just rewatched this a couple hours ago and he knows he's going to be killed. And he's kind of like looking at Dutch and I feel like Arthur and the gang one last time. And he's kind of like huddled over because he's really sick. And then he looks behind him to look at, uh, was it Milton that killed him? I don't know. One of those assholes killed him. And Milton, then, yeah, Milton kills him. Milton killed. Yeah. And uh, then they just shoot him and he's on the ground and then he's dead. And I was like, God 
damn it. Like, not Hosea. He's so nice. And then they killed oh. Lenny and I was like, God damn it. And then poor Lenny. Poor Lenny. Like, oh, him like kill? flies. Yeah. Lenny didn't know. Did he, he never saw it coming. He was oh. like looking back on the guys at the rooftops and then kaboom. There he goes. And, you know, Arthur's like, oh, they got Lenny in. Fucking Dutch. There's nothing we can do for him now. Blah blah blah. So obviously I mean, he also leaves John Dutch. Sorry, oh to, yeah. To, to clarify, this yeah. is where John gets essentially left behind. Yeah, the first um, time. But <laughs> the first. Oh, poor John. He gets fucked over left, right, and center. Um, but at least he's not dead yet. Yeah, right. he's not dead yet. So obviously they're all hiding out, and then like you said, Andrew, I think this is when Micah starts to kind of like weasel his way in. Obviously. What we find out is after Guarma, he teams up with the Pinkertons to rat on everyone. But yeah, they get on the ferry and then, or the ferry or the boat, whatever the hell, it crash lands into Guarma. And I just feel like this whole part of the game was so unnecessary. It was kind of weird. I don't know why this was in the game. I honestly don't get it. I mean, unless you wanted, I don't know. I can't think of any story reason to put this in the game. I'm trying to do my Brit thing, it's, but I can't no, do it. You're, I love that you're trying to be positive. I said about I can't it. do it. I can't. It's, it's just so superfluous. Like I just don't even know why. So for just as like a refresher, if you guys also finished the game a while ago, a torrential storm sinks the ship. The men wash ashore the Isle of Guarma, where they they're supposed to be going to Cuba. War. To be clear, yes, yeah. they're supposed to be going to Cuba. So there's a tyrannical sugar plantation owner and the enslaved local population. The group successfully aids the revolution against the plantation owners and secures transport back to the United States. And they reunite with the gang. So while you're on Guarma, it's like, whose side are you fighting for? Why do you even care? What's the whole point of it all? Mm-hmm. You're in the jungle. It's saving just, grace is that it was fairly short. Yeah, but, I get, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. it does. You're, you're both are correct in that. Like, you're kind of just like what? Like you worked. Like I think what would have made more sense is if the ship had gone to another part of the continent that they were on and it's like okay we have to hold up here we're far away enough let's start making our way back and by that time enough time will have passed and then you kind of go through that land to get to where you're going but to create this whole separate island with these characters that you'd never really hear from again unless i forgot something no. it just makes no no sense it i don't they know they literally uh, were just looking for a time has passed button and that yeah. they decided to put it on this isle of forma um, yeah yeah because was, they just needed dumb. them to be far enough away. They needed a reason where they would be far away, unable to contact anybody else, and stay there for a prolonged period of time so that everybody else would think that they're dead. 100%. But that's, but that's all they needed. But yeah, and there were so many other realistic ways, I think, to do that, that this whole thing just seems so uh, so unrealistic. And granted, it's a video game, but... I feel like Red Dead tries to follow a realistic story. So this just was like, this is fucking weird. This is something you'd find in old western back in the day that probably didn't do very well like oh look at this grand adventure we're on no well i think the key takeaway from this plot point is that john marston is captured and is now imprisoned and you in the back of your mind are like well we have to go get him we've got to break him out it's john like he's a key member of the gang and so when you finally get back from from guarma um that of course is your number one priority is Arthur, but Dutch doesn't think he's worth saving. It's also, and this is really where Dutch goes down what I think is like the dark path. Yeah, it's the darkest timeline. But Dutch also mentions before um, 
I think he's on the rooftops or when they're holed up in the building waiting to get on the boat to Cuba. Dutch is like trying to plant in your head as Arthur that John's a rat. He was like, I don't know the, the way they took him, whatever. Someone needed to tip them off. They didn't kill him. Maybe it's because he's been working with them. And I think it's actually, it was really interesting even, you know, to kind of backtrack a little bit. They're, Arthur and John's relationship throughout the whole game is an interesting arc because the beginning, there's definitely jealousy there. Arthur is jealous of John and he's jealous of John because John is still a golden child, golden boy, even though at some point prior in their history as a group, as a gang, um, he left for like a year. Uh, I don't remember exactly what they say he was doing, but he just peaced out and then came back. Also in a journal. Come on back, boy. You're home now, and Arthur is not down for that. Also, in a journal entry that uh, I don't think this had anything to do with, because obviously he has his other woman, he does mention that he would have been interested in Abigail had John not come around. Mm. Also, can we talk for a second about the journal and how the game never prompts you to look at the journal literally fucking ever? And if you don't take the time to like, like physically go to the journal on your own... That, like, you just miss all of that content. Well, you it get a prompt that says new journal entry. Or like, if you go to sleep, but then you wake up and it's like, you got a new journal entry. Go read it. I, 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 must, be, I must be completely Did you ever sleep? oblivious. <laughs> I don't recall ever seeing that prompt on my screen at any point. I'm not uh, even shitting you. Oh. No, I definitely got them and I would go through and read them when it told me to. Uh, the only time I ever got prompted to do journal entries was when I was out exploring and I came up pl- across like a place where he wanted to do a sketch uh, of yeah, the no, place that I was oh, at. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, def- that sucks because I feel like the journal provides so much insight and in, especially Arthur as a character and how he's growing and changing. Yep. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. Man, maybe I should go back and just read. Yeah, you Arthur's should actually. Journal. Yeah. There's a lot no. of good stuff in there. No, I'm not. I'm not oh, gonna, dang. You're, not you're right. You're not going. You don't, you don't care enough. <laughs> Drat. Wah, wah. No man, I got I got um I got mythological creatures in Greece to go slay. <laughs> um but um we were talking about that this is the turning point for Dutch. The turning point for Dutch goes down the weird. And at this point, path. after Guarma, we know that Micah is working with the Pinkertons. We know that they have Molly and Micah. Wait, how do you know that we know Micah's working with the Pinkertons now? Oh, because after don't, we don't know you, at this point in time, no. you know... At the end. Uh, what the fuck is the word? Retroactively, I guess? Like Because uh, when you are saving Abigail and Sadie, um, Milton's like, yo, dog. It's been Milton, Micah. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. Um, oh, God, I just forgot her name, even though I just said it. Molly. Molly. Yeah, she, she sweated a few times, but she didn't tell us anything, so we had to let her go. But Micah's been a very good boy, and we picked him up after you guys got out of the uh, Caribbean. But obviously, you don't know that. Until, you don't know like, that at this time in until the, game, the very but you end. Know it later. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that this point in the story is when Molly, not Molly, sorry, Sadie, really starts to come into her own and become a much more I powerful character. I love Sadie. Oh, she's she's so good. one of my faves, and I'm so glad that she exists. Now, I've seen other critiques online saying that they think Sadie is a little too over the top and that she's too, like, women's lib and she's too, like, I'm going to shoot my own gun and take care of myself and wear pants all the time. And I'm like, no, I love that about her. I think it's badass that she's like, I'm going to be 
a better gunslinger than anybody else in this gang because yeah. I can be. Yep. I was talking to John about it and I was like, I would really love to see more of the dynamic between Sadie and her late husband and see really like what that home life was like because she's got a lot of spitfire and I love that about her. And I'm just in my mind during that time period, it was really frowned upon for women to have a voice And she clearly couldn't have remained silent. Nobody with that much fire inside them can just, like, be a docile, like, home wife, right? Well, she even said in a conversation that her and her husband split all the duties equally. Split the work, yeah. Right? Exactly. I loved her. And I loved that scene when Cuomo Driscoll is finally getting hanged. And he realizes that he's not going to be saved and because he thinks his boys are going to save him. And then he looks and he sees Sadie and Dutch in the crowd with his boys with the knives to their neck. And then he looks up and Arthur waves from the rooftop. And the he just wave was breathing. really cute. Oh, yeah. And he just starts like, holy shit. I thought that was such a good scene because you can just see the panic sink into his eyes. And then uh, he hangs. And then Sadie's like, you ruined my life. And then she cuts the neck and then she shoots the other guy. And everyone's like, holy shit. That was so good. Oh, my God. I loved her. I'm glad she survived. Yeah. yeah. Me, me too. Um, so this, of course, is at this moment uh, after they rescue John from the prison because um, Dutch is like, I'm not going after him. And I think that this is really where you get to see where how Dutch is kind of turn, starting to turn on his on his, the members of the gang that is supporting him um, where he refuses to go and get John because he's like, oh, the the. Attention's too hot. It's too risky. We can't do it. And then Sadie's like, fuck that. We're going to go get him. It's John. We have to go get him. You know, and Abigail wants to go too. And then Arthur's like, no, no, you stay here with Jack. Like, Jack can't lose two parents. Let me and Sadie go get him. They go and get him, of course. Um, And then. um, I love that hot air balloon part. Where you're scouting. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then the guy dies. And I think Arthur says, and then, I really like that fella or yeah, something. Yeah, he, was he like, said. damn it. I liked that guy. He was funny. Oh, uh, yeah, so was cute. a bummer. We kind of alluded to it briefly, but we never really discussed Arthur's infliction. Oh, oh right. no, th- no, that's so that's what we're uh, I was just coming about up to get on that. To, I kind of forgot exactly where it. Yeah. So this is the, the point of this. St- this is the point of the story where. Um, you we get to where you have that random collapse, right? Like it just going to meet Sadie in a bar, and then instead, before you get there, you fall, right? And And then you have to get to a doctor, and then you discover that you're sick. And you're not just sick; you have a terminal disease called tuberculosis. My problem. (laughs) Raise your hand if you googled tuberculosis. I mean, I knew what tuberculosis (laughs) was, but I didn't realize. I mean, obviously, this is this was. A very long time I have, ago. I have a... Oh, sorry, go ahead. But I, I, I think I told you this, Brittany, too. And I was like, when, when they said he had tuberculosis, I was like, so what? Give him some medicine. Yeah, girl, it's 1899. In my mind, I'm thinking, isn't tuberculosis curable? And I'm like, fuck, I guess it's not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so obviously, so before this happens, there is a scene where you see Arthur coughing. And... Yeah. I think we've all played enough games where, like, you don't really see stuff in games like that in a cutscene unless it serves a purpose. And so that kind of, like, raised my red flag a little bit. But I didn't think too much of it. And I didn't think about it, actually, until you see him collapse and then he's diagnosed with TB. And then I Google it. And I'm like, oh. But the problem I had with this is when you look at diseases in your menu, it says something along the lines of diseases are difficult to treat. 
And I'm like, okay, so maybe this is something. I, I didn't know that this was a terminal disease that was ultimately going to kill me. And I feel like if they had removed that diseases are difficult to treat thing and it was just like mentioned in the story in the cutscenes that you have TB, it would have been I would have thought like, OK, this is something that is going to kill me in the end. I Because I, I always struggled like, is this something I'm going to be able to cure as I progress in the story? Or is this something that is just totally going to fucking kill me? No. So the well, minute- and there's that one moment with the tribe where they hint at a cure. Yeah. For he it. And then you're like, cure. Oh. he says, I can help you basically like manage it. Which is not the same thing as a cure. It's it's hinted. No, I think it's hinted a little bit at the beginning. Like, this could be a fix. And then the more he talks, the more he explains, it's like, oh, this is not going to be a fix. So the minute that you fall down in the in the streets of Saint-Denis and you get dragged to the doctor and he's like, it ain't good. That's the moment when I knew immediately Arthur is dead and I'm going to play as John after this. I just, I was like, okay. because And I knew that only because I had played Red Dead Redemption, and that was kind of the whole shtick, right? Like, you play through John, uh, play through as John the whole game, and then you fucking die, and then your son picks up the mantle, and you play as Jack. So, that's that's the first time I had, I I was like, oh, I think that's where this is going. That's because you're so damn smart, Simer. But for me, I feel like the disease was almost gamified, because it was in, like, your status section. It said, you have TB, which makes me feel like there could be other diseases in that section that maybe I would contract <laughs> later. I, d- I didn't think like it was some, I don't know. That no, was the I problem I had. I so, didn't know. I was like, this looks like something that you could get cured. It says diseases are hard to treat. I'm like, maybe I'll be able to treat it, but no, nay. Fuck. So this is the turning point that to me really negatively impacted my gameplay experience. And it's not lost on me that Rockstar is clearly trying to say something by impacting a lot of the gameplay systems by making you terminally ill. I think clearly they're trying to drive home this overall narrative message of terminal illness affects everything in your life and will forever affect everything in your life in a negative way. But from a gameplay perspective, that fucking sucks, man. Yeah. That's not fun. And the, uh, video games are not supposed to be dreary, sad, depressing experiences. Wow. And unless they're unless specifically designed to be a piece of art that says that thing. And like in Red Dead Redemption, I was just like, in Red Dead Redemption 2, I was just like, why did you do this to me? Or if, if not the very least, why couldn't I gotten at least some kind of subtle hint from one of the characters or something narratively that was like, hey, maybe before you go and rescue John, we should take care of some of those other things, those other things you got, those other obligations. Somebody somewhere along the line giving but me some kind of But how the hell would they know you had hint. tuberculosis? They no, don't. it's not, it's a not a, I no, know what point, you're saying, Steiner. Andrea. I'm talking about figuring out some kind of gameplay mechanic to indicate to the player that a dramatic narrative event is going to happen. Listen, Bioware does it in fucking all of their games, right? Like, they figure out a way to tell you, yo, shit's going to go down when you do this mission. You maybe want to go finish your other stuff first before you go do this mission. Other games have done it too. And I think that's the thing that really frustrated me because from there on out, once, once Arthur is sick... It fundamentally changes the gameplay because you start to lose weight, which affects your stamina and your health. You can't get the same benefits from the food and the drinks that you buy and that you use, both in combat and the open world. That overall affects the gameplay experience to me in an incredibly negative way that impacted me 
so much that it makes me not like that choice, even though narratively, I think it provides some really interesting ideas to the overall arc of not only Arthur, but the other characters around him. I just got so upset that that one choice had to impact gameplay in such a realistic way. Yeah, and I think that's the part that I I struggle. I think this is my biggest complaint with this game is, again, it felt so gamified that you couldn't even eat food without getting sick. And I feel like there was another... Steimer is just too smart for all of us. She knew. As soon as he was diagnosed with TB. I mean, maybe even Andrea knew. I'm not trying to discount your intelligence, Andrea. But again, I thought it was like a game thing. And I feel like the way to convey that this is something that's going to kill you... Would have been, like you said, he said, it's not good, but maybe you have X amount of months left. There's no cure. I'm sorry. But then don't impact the gameplay because how many people know that just because you have TB, you can't eat certain food and you, I don't know. It just seemed kind of out of touch and that sucked. And I was very upset about it. It wasn't until like toward the very end where he starts going fucking pale and you see all his veins and shit. Then I'm like, okay, he's actually going to die and from this. And he's coughing all the time. And I'm just trying to get my dead eye core back up by smoking some cigarettes. And then he <laughs> smokes some cigarettes. And you have like, a <laughs> degenerative <laughs> lung disease. Go ahead and smoke a pack. Well, listen, it's either that or I get drunk before I go into a fight. It's just like both are bad for you when you're terminally ill. I just I think that <laughs> the pro- and this comes back to one of the major issues I had with this game. Despite the brilliant strokes of genius that are in the game making that is Red Dead Redemption 2, I think they committed so hard to the realism of only certain specific aspects of the game and not others. And then they committed so hard that they got in the way of their own ego that they took the fun out for players because there's a lot of photorealism in this game, not just from a graphical perspective, but like from the mechanical perspective, right? If you think about the way the guns fire, the way the horse trots, the way the carriages work, like a lot of the actual like like nuts and bolts of the game feel like they're based in this idea of it being more simulator than than fantasy, right? Us talking in the last segment about the difference in the horse butts between Assassin's Creed and Red Dead. Getting in and out of the saddle in Red Dead is one of the most authentic feeling experiences I've ever had in a video game. The weight of it, the grit of it, the sound of it. I almost feel like I can smell the leather of the saddle. They've done such a great job of projecting the realism of that. But at the cost is that I still live in a world where I can take a a potion literally called Miracle Tonic where it fills up my health and my stamina and this weird, magical, supernatural ability I have to slow down time and headshot four guys in a row. But then, because I'm sick with tuberculosis, I can't eat an apple and have it fill my health all the way. And I'm like, there's a dissonance here that takes that kind of sucks the fun of the experience right out. And I don't know how to I don't know how to grapple with that. Yeah, I think Arthur getting sick narratively makes sense. I don't agree with the impact to gameplay that that introduced. And I think that's kind of for me personally where it comes to. And as for all the realism, it's kind of hard. I think everyone has a certain threshold because we all know we're playing a video game. You can get shot multiple times and walk away and it's fine and we accept that. But there are certain things that I think when you see in Rockstar... And this Rockstar game where certain things are so realistic, 
we're like, oh, that's really realistic. And it kind of like piques your interest because you're focusing on it. But then other things happen that aren't realistic and you don't think about it because you're so used to it. I think it's just kind of trying to tune your meter, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And it's funny because... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steimer. No, it's okay. Um, I I find it interesting that you guys struggled with it so much. I mean, I definitely got sick a few times. I was like, oh, that's annoying. But for the most part, I didn't mind. And I actually thought it was really an interesting choice to try and, and get through. I Obviously, I, I think there's a few... There's several things in the game where I would have maybe tweaked the execution of it. But I think overall... I just I just kind of wrote some notes down of like how I felt emotionally about the game in general. And I think Red Dead Redemption, both of them are just about essentially they are the tragedy of human nature in general. And part of the tragedy of human nature is we're fragile. We're all extremely fragile. We die fairly easily. We're flesh um, bags. What? <laughs> we're flesh bags. We are flesh bags. And especially in this time, we die very easily. We, we die a little bit less easily now, but <laughs> we're, we have a little bit more fortitude. But um, so I, I just thought it was interesting the way they and like, yeah, it's it's upsetting. And it's upsetting to see him, especially when you when he starts to look it. When he when his face gets veiny and that's you, the most upsetting because I love the customization of the clothing and I hate that I look so pretty in my clothes, but then Arthur looks so fucking bad. <laughs> he's sick. He's Andrea. all gone. He's got weird patches on his face. His eyes are all bloodshot. That's when I'm I like, started oh, growing God. a full beard. I was like, you know what? You can have the beard because my you God. have the beard. Like, Seriously, it covers up his face. Yeah, I mean, I feel so bad, but like, and but that. I mean, I think they, they had to do it in that sense in order for this to make any sort of narrative or emotional impact. Because if he was just running around doing the same shit, you wouldn't feel it when he starts to make the choices that he does because he's feeling his mortality. And you You're wouldn't right. believe him when he's starting to be like, you know what? I don't know that I've lived a good life. I don't know that That's- I, I don't know that I ch- chose correctly. Mm-hmm. You're so right, Steimer. I I 100% agree that in order for them to make it impactful, they had to do it. This is why I just wanted some kind of indicator that this major event was was going to to fundamentally change the way the entire game plays. Because I would have gone to do a lot of those other side quests before Arthur gets like, dramatically ill and then can no longer perform to the same level that he was performing to before. And also like visually it's going to be different. He's going to be coughing all the time. Like the way he interacts with people is going to be different. That's, I think that's like my one, like if Rockstar could do something differently, like, I mean, obviously there's more things, but um, if I could pick like one thing for them to change, it would be that. And that's why I tell people now without trying to spoil it, I just say, Hey, like something big fucking happens in the game that's going to change the way the game plays. So do all your side quests early, like as often as you can before you get to chapter four or three, really before chapter three, I would recommend doing as much as you can. But once you get to Saint-Denis, like don't finish the Saint-Denis quest lines before you, <laughs> before you do everything. Um, but I don't want to spend too much time on this because, you know, we have a, a lot more to go, a lot more to yes. go. Mm-hmm. Um so, obviously, Arthur gets sick, um, and it's going to affect the rest of the game. And then this is where um, we go to – where am I at here? Um, 
is this where the this is where the Native American tribe really comes into play. Yeah. So you have some quest lines with Rains Falls and Eagle, Eagle Flies. Flies. Um, two of the members of the tribe that's in the game. Of course, Charles is a Native American member of the gang. And you, he is a key member of these quest lines. And he's also one of my uh, favorites. He and Sadie were my I favorites. I love Charles. So yeah, I was super wonderful. stoked that they actually <laughs> made it to the end. I was like, yeah, thank exactly. God. <laughs> so I was I actually like, uh, I also texted this to you, Brent. I was like, it's incredible to me that like the, the last trio writing in on essentially the last real mission is a woman a black slash african or black slash native, native american, american and then you is well then your white boy john marston but like yeah i was like that's cool that they have like a this 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 these are the people i wanted really at the end with me so i'm glad that it was them yeah Anyway, sorry. That was yeah, a quick it, interlude, I think but. the whole storyline is great. I think it reminds people who have conveniently forgot how America came to be. And I like that we live in an era where many states have chosen to no longer celebrate Columbus Day because of what that represents. And to remember that the Native Americans that were here, like, were here before the United States was a country. And it's really easy to forget because I remember growing up and being told a very different version of history. I, I don't think that I was ever lied to in the schools that I went to, but I think a lot was conveniently left out. Mm, sure. um, and not to say that, you know, like I'm not a teacher, I'm not an educator. I don't know when is the right time to tell kids about like the grotesque things that happened to make the United States become the country that it is today. But I think it's important and great that a company like Rockstar is like, hey, you know what? We're not going to shy away from this. We're going to lean in and talk about it. And it's obviously not as – I don't want to overstate it, right? Like It's not like they're making some big, huge social statement on Native American culture and its place in United States history. But my point here is that I'm glad that they included it. Yes. And I also think it's interesting how – I mean, they not only included it as like a – as you guys being observers from the gang, Dutch, then of course, motherfucking Dutch, yep. uh, fucking has Dutch to, has to get his hand in the pot, right? Just can't leave it alone. He has I think to create it's noise. He has to create noise. So not only are the poor Native Americans being dicked around by the United States government, now they got Dutch Vanderland coming over and trying to use them for his own. As a distraction, basically, in order to try and buy the gang some time, theoretically. Again, I think Dutch is fucking bonkers. But um, that's the quote-unquote plan is we will make the government continue to fight the Native Americans and then we'll We'll slip away because they'll be distracted. Which is garbage and I hate you, Dutch. I kind of had that holy holy shit moment when we're killing members of the U.S. Army. I'm like... That's that's a lot. Yeah. Where these outlaws. Not only that, he's, on the- you know, he's just he's basically riding a frenzied horse and kicking it. Right. He's just like, keep going, keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're like, no, <laughs> stop. Calm the horse down. It's like Jesus. So I felt I felt so bad for Rain's fall and like. Just watching. Wait. Yes, that's the that's the chief one. Um Yeah. And, the sun is eagle flies and the sun is eagle flies and like go, going through the whole story where uh 
you know, he 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 loses the one thing he didn't want to lose, which is his son. And it's just it's fucking heartbreaking, heartbreaking. to see that yeah, it's like and it's like for what this it, is. I think the the that whole storyline with Rains Falls is really where. I started to hate Dutch as a character. Yes. Because I think in the beginning, I kind of was on board for his swagger and his He's a ability dude. to kind of like throw his weight around and be like, I'm the leader of this gang and it's a gang and we're going to commit these crimes and we're badass. And I was like, yeah, I'm on board. And then it was when he started to like portray this false sense of superiority because like, there was certainly hints in Dutch's arc at the beginning of him having a code, right? Having some kind of weird morality that they all adhered to and they would do things that were illegal, but not bad things to, to, to good people. They would mm-hmm. only do bad things to bad people or they to would the Robin Hood or, kind of, but not kind of just for yeah, like a weird version of Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. And this is the moment where I was like, you know what? Fuck you. You're a <laughs> badass dude. And I don't mean badass and cool. I mean like bad as in like, like rotten, rotten to, to the, the core. core. Yeah. Yes. See, we were thinking of the same thing. Yeah, we were. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, like, but I think it was sad. This kind of, I again, like the notes that the general themes um, that I've kind of like pulled away from this and this is one of those arcs that really showcases it is just how we are tragically driven more by emotion than anything else. Logic does not drive us as humans. Emotion does. And that's why Eagle Flies does what he does. And it's why he ultimately dies. Um, and it, it's why Arthur dies in a, in a way. Um, and it's why John dies. And it's like why most of these fucking people die. And you're just like, ah, could you all just not? Could you sit down? Could you read a book? Could you have some tea? <laughs> just chill for a second read a book and what <laughs> <laughs> like it's because uh, i'll and i have further notes but we'll get there in a minute because we're we're still there but i think that this is this is definitely one of those things where like that's exactly what's happening here and there's really nothing anyone can do and there's even a point where you as john or no sorry you as arthur are talking to eagle flies before he's dying as he's dying and you're like i'm sorry i believe I believe like Dutch manipulated you. And he says, we're all grown men here. No one told us to do anything. We all made these choices on our own. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you did. You, it's weird to be like, yes, I am irrationally. I am acting irrationally in a way, but still have self-awareness of what I'm doing and know that even though this is, purely rage driven and probably futile I'm doing it like i'm just making this choice to essentially die for what i believe is a cause but ultimately is not quite a cause yeah. and that's I, it's just one of those things where i'm like can't relate i don't know what that's like i don't know <laughs> what it's like to ever feel something that that strongly to be like i want to die for that I don't know that I ever will. I hope I don't. (laughs) I really don't want to go out that way. I think the whole idea of 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 conflict and battle and wartime in that era was so different than it is today because we just inherently don't have those face to face physical 
conflicts in the same way that they did back then, right? Like if you have a fight or a dispute with your neighbor, you usually settle it in court or through the police or through some other kind of mediator. It's not like you're bringing your shotgun over to your neighbor's house and being like, get your dog off my lawn. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's it's just a different, it's a different time and a different uh, stake, I think, in human life. And I think we just as a society are more enlightened in what human life, the value of human life is than they were then. I don't want to say that we as a species have lost honor overall, but I kind of feel like we have in a certain way. I feel like a lot of it is like the stakes just seem much lower now than they were before because we feel that we can be a little bit more invincible in a certain way, if that makes sense. Like I think about, I'm not, I'm not trying to go down a deep philosophical road right now because we're rubbing my beard. You got me thinking we have a little bit more to discuss here, but I I think what's great about something like what you said, Steimer is that it makes you think about where we're at today. And like, I don't have things in my immediate life that I would put my life on the line for outside of, you know, my family, right? You know, and my close friends. But like, I don't think that there will ever be a situation where I'm going to be forced to put my life on the line for you, right? Right. Like, I don't think that somebody's going to start a war or a battle or bring a gun somewhere where I'm going to have to like put my life out there at risk. And that's not something that we here in the United States have to deal with. Now, I'm not speaking for people in other countries that live in different situations than than I have. I'm just speaking mu- purely from my own. And that's way different than it was even 200 years ago, right? Like my chances of dying were much higher <laughs> two, yeah. two centuries ago than they are today. Yeah, I think there was even um a losing of I fucking forget which part of the game it was, but a ba- basically like you're just at home at the wrong time. Oh, when Arthur finally reveals he had a son. Oh, and he's writing right. with he's writing with uh, Rainsfall and he's talking about, you know, I had a son and I and the lady who had he basically knocked up a a bar woman and they he used to go visit them and he had a relationship with her and his son and one day people came robbing and just killed the both of them for no for for nothing like they didn't have any yeah. money so i think that that's kind of a an, an, another additional illustration of that that living in that time period it was people died and no long. one really cared you didn't yeah. no one was like oh someone was just killed randomly sad day like that was it but got yeah Sorry to go back to Arthur. Yeah. So, how did you ladies feel about that um, family? That that the the you know the news that he had a son and he had a, a woman before. What's her butt? Oh my god! Can we talk about what's her butt for a minute? Yeah. What's her butt? What is her name? <laughs> is it Mary Beth or something? No, Mary Beth is one of the no, people not on Mary the camp, Beth, but her she? name was Mary or some shit. It has it was in the M. Mary? Wasn't it just Mary? I don't fucking remember. She was dumb. I did not like her at all. I really wanted Arthur yeah, and Sadie to Mary. get together. Her name's Mary Linton, and she sucks. Mary Linton. Yeah, I hated that's her Mary name. Linton. Mary Linton, go away. Stop asking um, your ex-boyfriend for favors. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I, quite frankly, did not remember the conversation about Arthur's woman that he knocked up and him having a son. Gotta be oh. totally honest. All right. Did not remember enough. that happened. Okay. Did not remember Arthur had a kid that got murdered. Did not know. This is news to me, you guys. Bring <laughs> there it up you go. Right now. Well, he did. Um, <laughs> um, but 
Mary's storyline, I was kind of holding out hope in the back of my mind that Arthur would take her up and, you know, go meet her eventually. And the final scene with John and Abigail in the boat at the very end, I thought was Arthur and Mary. I just, I think I must have been either like distracted or drunk or both when John was playing <laughs> through that scene. Cause I remember looking over and seeing him propose. And I was like, oh, that's cute. In the end of the game, Arthur finally proposes to Mary. And John's Arthur's like, dead. No. Oh. Yeah. And John's like, no, that's no. No. That's, not- <laughs> that's what, what a happy ending. I know. That's oh. what we wanted. Or- I wanted to be in that timeline. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If only. <laughs> Um, only, to, I was like, maybe it's a dream sequence. And John's like, no, 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 um, no. That's John Marson wearing Arthur's hat. <laughs> Arthur. Go ahead, Brett. Yeah, so go to Arthur. So the woman was, yeah, a young waitress named Eliza. And she was pregnant with her son, Isaac. She knew who he was, but he accepted whatever, but accepted whatever support Arthur offered to her and their son. Arthur would visit Eliza and Isaac every few months and stay with them for days at a time. One day, Arthur arrived at their home and saw two crosses outside and knew immediately that they were both dead and later learned that they were both killed by robbers, all for $10. The incident hardened Arthur ever since, and he never truly coped with the pain. Fucking and, like, dark. that's the, the fact that the first time he really mentions it is with um, Rain's Falls, and that's, fuck, like, almost, the game's almost over at that point. Yeah. Like, that, I think, illustrates that, too. Just, like, this guy's had a weird, weird life. And he never copes with any of that which is hard for a human to go through but yeah back to mary she what i was hoping would happen is that arthur would be like listen you're too for me i'm gonna go bang sadie and we're gonna go have an awesome romantic relationship because i think those two would be hilarious together they'd be great never happened instead mary breaks arthur's heart or i guess she he broke her heart too and then she sends this ring back and that's what john uses to propose to abigail and all of the feelings so tragic. Oh. I also really hated the way she said Arthur. I'm just going to be real. Oh, Arthur. Uh, Arthur. And I'm like, I hate, I just stopped talking. She said, oh, too much. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Oh. I just didn't see her and Arthur being compatible, which made that relationship really hard to yeah. believe. I yeah. yeah. I, I didn't, don't know. I didn't quite buy it. I can, I definitely could see him having a, a love that wouldn't work out for similar reasons. But it was just something about her personality and the way she spoke and the way she was where I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't see. How did you, how, I don't know. Oh, just, Maybe me, it was it just, makes sense. Definitely an opposites attract situation, but. Yeah. A purposely flawed relationship where it was never going to work, but still, I think it would have been fun to have a explored something else that would have been a little more entertaining. It would have been nice for Arthur to like have something nice in his fucking life. Jesus that day i know poor man tragic oh yeah um so this is getting a little on the long side so i think we're gonna have to kind of like speed our way to go to the end end the end is the most important part so let me just like quickly recap what we're gonna speed over of course we've got um the gang um collapsing um arthur heads back to camp to confront bell um talking about bell Micah, Micah Bell. Micah Bell. Yeah. Tells the women to leave for safety, bidding them farewell. The gang collapses on Arthur when John returned to camp, openly accusing Micah and Dutch of betrayal. Dutch Williamson and um, so Dutch 
Bill and Javier and Micah turn on John and Arthur when the Pinkertons arrive, but all manage to flee into the wilderness. Arthur accepts his fate and either buys John time to escape by confronting the Pinkertons or heads back to camp to retrieve Dutch, Dutch's money stash. So this is like the very, very final end of the game. You missed one um, part, and the only reason I'm going to bring it up is because okay. it comes into play later, and that is the, in between those things, but in between the Native Americans and this, um, there was a final quote-unquote train heist supposed to go down. And yes. the train heist, during the train heist, John gets shot and essentially left for dead. So he, right. he gets shot. And Dutch you is like, Arthur. I'm going to go back for John. Dutch <laughs> says, I'm going to go back for John. Comes back later to the camp right before the Pinkertons get there and says, John's dead. He he didn't make it. Lying um, liar. Which is a bold-faced lie. <laughs> yeah. So they all run into town. And then there's just one moment that was really emotional for me. And I even teared up a little bit watching it again today. It was when they all come back after the failed heist or the heist in general and Tilly and Jack are on their horse and they're like, oh my God, Abigail's gone and Dutch is hemming and hawing. Do we go after her? Do we go after her? And Mike is like, she's just a girl. It's not worth it. And Dutch is like, no, yeah, you're right, Mike. It's not worth it. And Martian's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, sorry, LOL. They ride off. And then it's just Sadie and Arthur and Arthur then gives tilly all of this money and he's like you live a good life and blah 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 and she's like thank you and she says i'll i'll miss and then he goes me too sweetheart and then off they go and oh my god it is just so sad Something is that your most that. emotionally devastating moment that you couldn't talk about no in our what's good game awards <laughs> no i think that was still arthur morgan dying for me yeah but um yeah. there is that and then obviously when arthur is confronting everyone Susan gets shot by Micah and then she dies and rides on oh, the ground. Oh, that was Miss Pearson. I was, was it Miss Pearson? No. What's her name? Miss Pearson shoots Molly. M- yeah. No, oh, yeah. And then, so it is and then she also dies later. Micah right? shoots her. Yeah. yeah Michael I was just Pearson. like, I, that fucking, like, I was so sad. I was like, she didn't deserve to get shot like that. Fucking Micah. I know. Cause she was distracted because <sighs> someone's running up. He's like, oh, the Pinkertons are coming. And then she looks and then he shoots her in the gut. And yep. then she just, like, suffers. And then Dutch does not say a goddamn word at all after that happens. He doesn't even acknowledge it. And before, she was the glue, you know, that kept everything functioning. Like, hey, you yep. clean this up, get to work. Oh, my God. All of the Pat glue that the camp was coming Every time unhinged. Dutch wants to move everybody. And- yeah, it was her job. And that fucking asshole. Um, also, one other death that really fucked me up was Kieran Duffy. When the O'Driscolls Ooh, get him. when they sent back on his head? They send him back on the horse. He's holding his head. He's beheaded, but his hands are holding his head and it's his so eyes are gauged gross. out. And then he just trots up. Oh, Blech. God. Anyway. Disgusting. That's Anyways. All. Yes. No. I. Yeah. There were a lot of very unsettling deaths in this game. Oh, no. no um, Miss Grimshaw. Susan Grimshaw. You Grimshaw. Guys, That's her name. Oh, shit. You're right. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Pearson's the butcher. Pearson's the, Pearson's the butcher. Yeah. Yeah, he opens up his own little shop later on. Good for him. I know, but that it was so weird. I was like, why would you put a picture of you with like America's most wanted essentially? Because they're up all in your dead. Shop? It doesn't matter. They're not all dead. Oh, they're looking for them. Boys. But anyways, um, so I want to talk about the ending ending. And I know yeah. Andrea, you'd said um that you hadn't necessarily watched because there are technically multiple endings here. Yeah. Yes. So we get to the we get to the end, right? So you go through this fight. Um, you're with Marston, and you get to make the big choice at the end. Do you go back for Dutch's money, or do you help John escape? 
I think that there's universally only one right choice here, and it's to help John escape. Yes. Did either of you pick something else? No. Oh, no. Like, with everything that happens with Arthur's arc, and, like, in the show notes, I wrote down um, some some things from... So, thegamer.com did an article called 25 Plot Holes in, in Red Dead Redemption 2, and they wrote that narratively, there's no, there's simply no realistic way that Arthur would have had low honor at the end of the game, He's actively giving away money. And the reason that they say that, they say during the final mission, Arthur will have the choice between helping John escape and doing and going back for Dutch's money. And they say just contextually, which choice do you think Arthur would make? Would he help John, a character who he has spent all game helping, escape and fight for a better life, or would he go back to find money that he never once in the entire game made an explicit mention of desiring? Yeah. I think that that's like a really like hits the nail on the head and like of course help John escape. I don't know. But I mean I feel like that choice didn't need to be there. I don't know why it was there. It um, was dumb. Yeah. But agreed. I, yeah, I think it was just in case you were trying cuz obviously this game is called Red Dead Redemption. So of course it's going to push Arthur Morgan having redemption and trying to become a better person, but if you did play the entirety of the game an asshole, then maybe like that gave you your asshole you know, option out. Although if you watch that ending, you know, he still gives John his, I think is his rifle and he gives him his hat and he's like, basically good luck, man. And then he goes back. So it's not even that bad of an ending if you are playing as low honor. So like, I understand what they're saying is that there's not really a, an, like a dick, dick, dicky option. I think, yeah. I think what would have made more sense is if, if Arthur had said, you know what, I'm going to go back for the money to find it and, and give it to you, John. Like, I'm going to do this for you in some weird way. But instead, he's just like, I got to go back for the money. And you're like, why? You're going to get killed or or you're going to die of tuberculosis in the cave. Like so, some way you're dying. Someone and so had, like no one's yeah. getting this money or are you just trying to make sure that they don't get it? Like it was it, I think they needed to clarify the motivation a little bit more behind so it. So I was reading about this. Sense. And I saw a few comments and I don't I can't speak for myself, but he the theory was that he was going to get the money to try to go to California to cure his TB, which oh. obviously by this point we know he's like on his way out. And I think he knows that, too, which is why I yeah. kind of struggle accepting that. But I think that was the thought. I don't I appreciate the Internet TV. had that thought, but I say you're dumb. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think. No. Anyways, um. But when you go the correct route <laughs> and you help John uh, escape, God, this, the whole thing like just super fucked me up. Um, and so basically the only two alternate endings here, you still die. Um, but if you are high honor, you get to die the death Arthur talks about. Where he's like basically like just sit me down and point me west. Watch and, the like, sunrise. Watch the sunrise. Uh, although, yes, that's correct. I'm sorry, I was like, wait, is that yes? <laughs> and uh, if you don't, and you're very low honor, fucking Micah kills you. Like that's how you go out. Um, in the head, she shoots you in the head. In the head. <gasps> oh my god, I'm so glad I didn't get that. So did you? So in your ending, um, I got the Dutch, good ending. So Dutch shows up, right? Yes, so you're he shows fighting up on both. Micah on this mountaintop. So John escapes. 
Yes. You fight off the the all of the agents that are coming in. You shoot a bunch of people who are just trying to do their job. Um, and you help John escape. Yep. And then Micah comes up the mountaintop and you get into like a fist fight with him. Yes. And in that fist fight, you eventually pull out your gun and then your gun gets kicked away. And then you're crawling, like beaten up, and Micah's taunting you, like, you're never gonna get there. You're like, heavy I'm gonna breathing. come for you. And he's like, fucking saying all this bullshit. And then you get to your gun, you grab it, and then Dutch comes in and puts his foot on your hand mm-hmm. as you're picking up the gun. Mm-hmm. And that's when, like, Dutch really true shows his true colors as a villain versus a hero in this story or a leader. And at the end of it all, like, I, for a half a second, I thought the Dutch was going to shoot Micah. Uh. And then he doesn't. And then Micah runs away and Dutch runs away. And your Arthur is just there by yeah. himself on the so, mountaintop about to die. Also, I don't know if we said the sun rises in, in the west. It is not. It is the east. Anyway, that's, so, was, yeah. that's the part that I had paused at. I was like, is that correct? Because I was like, I, I was to go back. directionally. I'm like, I don't think it it's that rises in the west. It's rises in the east. So low honor plays out the same way, except for Dutch leaves. And then Micah, instead of turning around and leaving, he comes back to Arthur and he says some stuff. I think he says, damn you. And Arthur says, damn us all. And then he shoots him in the head. And then he obviously ties. And then it turns to the um, Unshaken song starts playing. But instead of seeing the buck, you see a wolf. And the wolf retreats into a cave. And that's if only if you have low honor. Mm, if you have low honor, the wolf is your symbol I think yeah. it's, it's to symbolize like you are just a lone wolf in this also, area. I want to know where does Dutch go? Because he turns around and he walks toward Up where Arthur mountain. ultimate. Yeah, he he like walks toward where Arthur dies. And then I came back as I was playing as Marston and revisited that area. And the only thing I saw there was an eagle. I was hoping for like something. But there's like no other way off of that mountain. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. Like what that was video him? game magic for you. One, of, also yeah, wearing... one of many suspensions uh, of disbelief so needed yeah. to believe that it's not wearing rock climbing shoes. Dead. Okay, wearing so anyway, slippery shoes. This happens. I was a blubbering mess because Unshaken is such an emotional song and it plays after you get off of Guarda and you're coming back to your camp to find everyone gone. And then I was just like, oh, no, they fucking killed him. I mean, I knew they were going to, but just seeing him take that last breath or exhaling finally. And then the song, like, really kicks in and it's like, no. And they fucking kick you right to Marston. And I was not ready. I needed, like, a mourning period. Thank you. I feel like they fucking glossed over Arthur's death in the most grotesque way. I'm like, here is the hero of this story. He's literally on a redemption narrative arc, and he has this death that feels so brief. It's like they don't spend enough time building to it, and then after it, they don't spend enough time letting it like sit with you and resonate with you as a player. They immediately dump you into the fucking epilogue which by the way we're gonna talk about how much i hate this fucking epilogue um and then i'm just like no this is my guy i've been building this character this entire game and i knew that he was gonna die the moment he got tuberculosis i knew that it was the end of arthur at some point but then that end comes and i wanted it to have more narrative and gameplay impact than it did i was so disappointed in how they handled it i was not but I think that's because, again, I knew what was happening. And also, I fucking love John. And I was kind of like, oh, my God, my baby boy, John. John is back to me. I am so grateful to have him again. Thank you, Rockstar. You have blessed me. 
but (laughs) but in like the worst possible way because then of course you know how john ends too so it's not it's like a very weird tragic brief reunion with someone before they go off to die there's nothing to look forward to when you're playing that because you know it's all gonna happen it's so upsetting and then so like there's and there's so many small things so basically the epilogue which uh is fairly long and i think again if you didn't play red dead was way too fucking long rockstar if you didn't play red dead redemption i liked it will not have nearly the emotional impact on you that it will if you did. Because if you did, you have, number one, that connection to John Marston that is much deeper than if you've played just Red Dead Redemption 2. Because that's not what Red Dead Redemption 2 was trying to do, right? It's building you with Arthur Morgan. So you to get John back and... First off, I love how different their bodies are. This is a minor thing, but I really liked how like kind of scrawny he is. And like, he's definitely not Arthur. Arthur's built like a tank. And, and I, I like liked looking in the menu. It's like, his weight's perfect. I'm like, is it? <laughs> he's a little scrawny. Um, but so you play through as John and Abigail trying to build this life that Arthur basically sacrificed his life. So John and Abigail could go off and find happiness and not live this way anymore obviously john and abigail even throughout red dead redemption have fights about um john's behavior because john keeps relapsing sort of back into his old habits of gunslinger days and she's like no man you gotta cut that shit out like (laughs) which she's not wrong um Mm -hmm. i think basically you just kind of go through the whole thing where you where you it shows you how you come to Beecher's Hope. It shows you how you get your farm. It shows you how Uncle comes to be there. Charles comes um, and helps you for a while. And this was the part that I... I honestly was just sitting there crying because you are building your grave. That's what's happening. And it's like... It's just deeply upsetting. Especially... You build the house and like that's where your last memories will be. And then Charles builds this barn, which is where you die. And a lot of the times when you're doing these missions, it spawns you up on the top of your hill. And that's where your grave is. Like you are standing there on your gravesite, and your wife's going to be there next to you eventually. And it's just fucking sad. Like the whole thing is sad. And like, it makes me tear up thinking about it right now because all you want is happiness for these fucking people and they can't seem to get it. it. And this was so, okay, so the emotional uh, drama of not, like, people being emotionally driven and not logically driven. And this, John, at the very end of this epilogue, goes after Micah. John, had he really been listening to Arthur and processed what Arthur was saying and did not act emotionally, would not have gone after, gone after Micah. Because Arthur would never have wanted him to. Arthur was not a revenge-driven person. He often would tell Dutch he was being foolish when he was going after revenge missions. And in fact, the reason that John even gets found by the fucking Pinkertons is because he went after Micah. And in... Sorry, I kind of glossed over that part, which is extremely important. (laughs) But yeah, no, I'm glad that you brought it up because that's like the one saving grace of the epilogue for me is that amazing fight sequence in the mountain going to gun down Micah. Yes. Because we all know that we all want to fucking murder Micah through the face like many times. You as a player (laughs) want to murder Micah. John wants to murder Micah. 
because um, I asked I asked by John John Drake um, while I was playing through Red Dead I was like spoil it for me tell me Micah fucking gets his because I'm rewatching Game of Thrones and I take some solace in the fact that Joffrey gets his at some <laughs> point in the series I'm like tell me he's like you sure you want to know I go yes tell me right now that this fucking terrible prick of a human being gets it and he's like yeah he gets it i'm like okay good but i thought it came much earlier i didn't realize it was at the very very last thing of the game but that Mm -hmm. fight the music is so fantastically done and if you don't remember watch a gameplay video of somebody on the internet doing it because it's so masterfully done and it's such a fantastic firefight and i was and i was not prepared for how intense that fight was going to be i'm like going up the hill eating every little fucking thing that's in my inventory because I'm, like, dying and getting shot. I'm like, I need more (laughs) Deadeye. Like, I use... a. It's like that RPG moment where you, like, are stocking up everything and then you just, like, wipe out your entire inventory through one single battle. And it was such a fitting end. And then fucking Dutch. Fucking... I gasped out loud... Me too. ...when when Dutch came out because I I don't... I don't know why I wasn't expecting him to. I think because I knew he's he's coming back later, so I wasn't sure if they'd bring him in here or not. Well, you um, don't and know. also well, I wanna yeah. like I, I assume you knew this as well, Brittany, but I knew that Micah was gonna be the very last mission we did in the epilogue. Because that's just the same sort of structure as Red Dead uh was as well. Like the last mission you do as Jack is killing Edgar Ross. I wasn't expecting Dutch because I mean, maybe this info is out there, and I don't know the timeline. But I was like, "Is he in Mexico? Yeah, is he recruiting his new gang? Like, what? Where is Dutch?" And then he stepped out, and I too gasped, and I was like, "Oh my was like, god! Oh my god, you motherfucker!" Uh, so, yeah, go ahead, Bray. Obviously, Dutch ends up shooting Micah, and what I thought was interesting is if you notice the like the final ish words that Arthur says to uh, to Dutch is. I gave you all I had. I did, obviously, through a very strained, dying, and sick voice, and it's very, 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 very sad. And then John tells Dutch, Dutch, we did, we all did our best for you. Ain't our fault things turned out the way they did. And I think after that point, there's little to no dialogue shared between them, and then Dutch shoots Micah. Now, I would like to think it's because Dutch maybe was like, shit, I'm getting deja vu. Arthur said something very similar to me when I was in a very similar situation with Micah, and here I am again. And then that's why he shot Micah. That's what I would like to believe, but I don't know. Maybe Micah was just too much of an inconvenience, causing too much problems. Maybe Dutch finally saw through it, and he's like, "I'm in Mexico and starting my new gang." I don't know. I think, and I think I was, I was talking with you about this, Brittany. Is I do think, in a way, he would have been more inclined. Maybe, maybe he was too far, gone, too deep in it at that point with Arthur. But I also think Arthur's tuberculosis didn't help. Because to then, Dutch looked at him and he was a lost cause. Mm-hmm. So why am I going to try and fight for you? You're going to die at, like, God knows when, but it's coming. Like, you're sort of yeah. you're sort of a wash in my book. Now, yes, you, but Arthur and John are both two of the most, like, son-like figures to Dutch. Right. Especially John. Well, especially Arthur, I guess. But, you know, so I think, I also think, on a fundamental level, Dutch probably couldn't bear the loss of both of them. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, fuck, if it's Micah or John, bye, That's, Micah. Like, like this is yeah. a choice where John is alive, John is healthy, 
John has a chance. Um, mm-hmm. Arthur never did. So that's what I would like to think is going on on some level with Dutch. But God knows. And I was shocked when he shot him because I yeah. wasn't expecting it because I just thought that <laughs> Dutch was so fucked up at that point that like there was no way to... No, I yeah. did, did, did not redeem him, but he definitely, I was like, thank God. But I think, I think also, I think we're on the right trail here because even after Arthur said, I gave you all I did, all I had, I did, Dutch stutters a little bit. And he says, I, I, and then he just kind of turns and walks away. Like he can't bring he can't, himself. He can't bear it because, yeah. And so once upon a time, this was a while ago, but I read a book about con artists and how they work and how they are able to manipulate people. And the interesting part was that the more you thought you were immune to it, the more susceptible you were. And I think that's Dutch. So Dutch, thinking he is God's gift to man, is also a con artist, managed to get conned because he didn't think it was possible. And I think both in Arthur's death and then when John is life's on the line, basically, that's those are the moments where he's sort of shaken a little bit and is able to get perspective that, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe something. Maybe they were right about maybe some of the I things they were up. saying. Maybe I yeah. fucked up. Maybe I fucked up here. I don't know that he would ever think that necessarily, but maybe he would be like, "Oh, maybe you know, maybe Micah is bad." That's probably the extent of Micah's oh. probably yeah, probably Micah's bad for me. I should eliminate him. John's on a, not John's on a threat anymore. Lol. Little did he know. Yes. But yeah, Ugh. yes. And it was I interesting impact- to me. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. Um, go ahead, Steimer. No, I'm going to move into a parallel between Arthur and John's death. So go ahead. The, I just wanted to briefly touch on the reason why I was upset about how the epilogue was handled was because that scene, that whole sequence where you go after Micah with Sadie was so impactful that I was really upset that between the final scene of the main game where Arthur dies... And Micah and um, Dutch escape. I was so upset that I had to go through the most mundane like missions to get to that ending. That's I think what made me mad. And like it's funny, I told John in the moment I was like, I get that. I get Rockstar is trying to extend the gameplay experience for people and kind of give you this sense of normalcy. But I didn't want that. I was heated. At the end of the game, I needed something else because I felt like Arthur's death was too brief and I needed something else to kind of like satiate this like narrative hole that I was feeling from the way that they handled the ending. And I think ultimately that final epilogue part two ending was really well done and I really enjoyed the way that they played it out. And like I mentioned earlier with the music and the gunplay and everything, but the steps to get there were so infuriating in a way that's kind of difficult to describe. Like literally shoveling shit into a barrel and building a fence and doing all these this bullshit. And I'm just like, why? It's like the whole idea of Guarma. Like, why? Why did you have to do that? Like, I get the idea of setting up... Like, they have to set up the transition to John to set up how... Red Dead Redemption 2 is a prequel to Red Dead Redemption, right? I get that. And I think they did a really good job with it, but they could have truncated that shit so much better and made it maybe like a two to three hour prologue instead of a 10 hour prologue, or excuse me, epilogue. And so I'm just like, ugh, 
Yeah. Man, it was painful. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting because I didn't mind it at all. Now, granted, I loved every part of this game. I liked the pace of it. I liked how slow it was. I liked how I could just take my time with it. And like we talked about, I think, in the second segment, I know you, Andrea, were like, it does some really great things, but it's just definitely not my 100% game of the year kind of game. It's a little too slow for me. And for me, I like that sim aspect when you see characters like John Marston. And this could be because I know it's coming in Red Dead Redemption, obviously, like the earlier game. But I'd be curious to know people who did not play Red Dead Redemption, if you were invested in the story and you did like the pace of it, how they did like this epilogue. Because I like the slowness of it, although it did take me a while to get used to to transition from Arthur's death to Marston because I was very, very sad and it was too fucking soon. I needed like a mourning period. But I did... I did enjoy the pace of it, and I think it showcased Marston trying to, like you said, better his life, and it showed him in certain circumstances where he had to show patience and show restraint. Maybe it did last a little long, but for me, it didn't feel like it because I was invested in every moment that was happening. Yep. But... Yeah, I, I just think that there was just one too many bounty missions with Sadie, one too many chores to do around the farm. I think they could have like emphasized what each of those things meant individually in a, a much ed- more edited way. And I think that's where I really got upset. The one mission from the epilogue that I really thought was impactful and that I really enjoyed was where you go horse riding with Jack. Oh, I yeah. thought that that was such a nice moment to have to see a different side of John as a father, to see him interact with his son, because you don't get to see that at all during the game. And as somebody who didn't play very much of Red Dead Redemption, I mean, like, maybe, like, five hours worth, um, I I never got to see what that relationship would become. And that moment, I thought, was, like, the one saving grace of the epilogue for me outside of the final mission where you kill Micah. But um, real question, did you let Jack win or did you win the race? I let him win. I let him win. I also let him win. No, we're good people. I was mostly <laughs> just like, you know what, kid? You're going to take up the mantle one day. You can feel good. Also, like he's got such bad self-esteem. Go ahead. Win. Yeah. Yeah. We Builds you up a little up bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But, so, but you were saying, I'm sorry. No, no. That was it. I, I don't disagree. I think um, in general, the game could have done with a little bit more editing in general. Mm. Most, most creative works could, uh, but I liked, i liked the things that we were doing, but yeah, maybe there was one to be cut a little bit of it. Snipped Shuttle down a little too much bit. Build too many fences. Yes. Um, the house uh, building song was weird, but also kind of funny. Which one? <laughs> Where you build the house to the song that's all oh, about yeah, building yeah, a house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked that. I liked that a lot. Um, um, the one thing, real quick, that we haven't talked about, I want to talk about real quick, is the your horse death. Oh, oh my yeah. fucking god! I, I know I, that might for, have been more sad for me than Arthur. So death what happened that. to me is I was so like in the moment, I'm like, oh my god, everything's happening. That my ho- I saw my horse get shot. And then I just started running up the hill. So that cutscene I don't think ever triggered for me where you have that final moment with your horse. Wait, really? Was, I don't remember that. Because I, oh. I, I don't think it's possible to skip that. I don't it's remember not seeing it. It's not possible okay, to so skip that. I don't know. I don't remember seeing it. Maybe I was so caught up in the moment that it didn't register. But I just watched it before we shot this. And it was so emotional that I feel like I would have remembered that if I had seen it. 
So maybe it bugged and it just didn't play for me, or maybe I ran. No, because it plays directly into whether you're you choose to go up the hill with John or back to the. Well, no, I understand, but what I'm saying is, I feel like I just started running and then i got the conversation with john i don't know how it happened obviously i don't know maybe you just don't it. remember it happening but i but i watched it again for the well what i thought was for the first time right now and i was like oh my god that and the way he whis- he whispers thank He's you like, in your horse's you. ear like, like because i remember seeing my horse shot but then i remember thinking after i finished the game like that that was kind of weird like they didn't give you a moment with your horse so i don't think i saw it i don't know how i would have skipped it but i feel like something happened and i didn't see it because I remember mm. feeling like that door was that chapter, that clo- door, whatever, was never closed with my horse. Mm. I, I was like, oh, that my horse was shot and that they're not going to touch on this again. Like, that's weird. But anyway, very, very emotional, especially for you, Steimer, who hunted for your horse. Dude, <laughs> hunted, but- the horse took me forever to get. And so when she fucking died, I was like, no. And yeah, th- that part was super, super sad because I had been. That horse that I had at the very end, I had been with for like the last like 25 hours of the game. Yeah. Um, Cause I just, I, I knew that I could have gone to buy maybe a horse that had like another meter up in the categories. But I was like, no, I like this horse. I named him Bandito because he had a mask on his face. Aww. And I was just like, this is, this is my, this is my guy. We're at maximum bonding, even though I never successfully drifted on my horse. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, that was, that was a really, Sad moment. Um, I know we're getting to the end here because it's been quite a long show. Yes. Um, I do want to mention some things that you guys may not have realized that you can find out at the end of the game. Um, so John can find out what happened to the rest of the game via in-game encounters. Um, so this is this write-up is from SVG.com. It says, it's easy to miss these characters if you don't visit their specific locations. Simon Pearson can be found running the general store in Rhodes. Tilly Jackson can be found in Saint Denis, married to a wealthy man and visibly pregnant. Mary Beth Gaskill can became a successful novelist and can be found at the Valentine train station. Reverend Orville Swanson, who sobered himself up from both alcohol and drug addiction, quietly left the game during Chapter 6, as mentioned in a newspaper article detailing his rise to the ranks as a highly successful minister in New York. And unfortunately, the whereabouts of Karen Jones, who heavily descended into alcoholism near the end, are unknown. There are also nine graves to be found for the deceased members of the Vandalin gang. Arthur's grave, of course, which is featured in the credits where Mary comes to visit, can be found near the mountain where he died. Jenny Kirk's grave can be found at Spider Gorge. Davy Callender, who died during the intro, is buried at Poulter. Sean's grave can be found near the old camp location outside of Rhodes. Kieran Duffy's grave is outside of Shady Bell. The graves of Hosea Matthews and Lenny Summers are north of Saint Denis. And Susan Grimshaw's grave can be found close to the remains of the final Vanderlyn camp near near Beaver Hollow. And while not part of the gang, Eagle Fly's grave can be found at Donner Falls. I found Arthur's and Susan's, and it was very sad. I did not go to them. But there were two minor things. This is so small, but I just am like, I noticed these and I wanted to mention them. Um, First off, did you notice, Brittany, that the shirt that Abigail gives you is the shirt you wear when you die? No. It looks very similar. I assume that's what they were going for. Oh, shit. Um, So, like, there's a part of the epilogue where she tells you to go get a package in town and whatever he gets mad because he ends up using his real name and someone finds out or whatever uh but and then she's like it wasn't even a dress for me it was a gift for you 
And then the gift is this shirt and it, uh, and then I rewatched it. I'm looking at the photo and it looks really similar. Yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's the shirt that you wear when you die. And then also what I, I, cause I rewatched the red dead ending of, of John dying. And I was like, the breathing that they do is so similar. Like the way John breathes as he's dying is similar to the way Arthur breathes when he's dying. And I was just like, "Ah!" like these fucking people, I hate you, but I love you, but I hate you. The only person I could talk to after I finished it was John, John Drake. And I was texting him and I was like, oh my God, why? And he was very good at counseling me and it was good therapy because, oh my God, it was so hard. I'm walking around the house crying and Jason's on some stupid conference call and I can't go to him because I can't spoil it, but I eventually did have to spoil it for him. I'm like, I need someone to talk to. I'm sorry. But shout out to John Drake. Thank you, sir. Yes. You're there for me when I needed you. (laughs) Shout out to John Drake indeed. Well, wow. um, this was a doozy. As much as like you guys might think that I didn't like this game, obviously, if you listened to last week's episode, you know it was my number six game of 2018. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed many, many, many parts of this game and was so glad that you guys pushed me to finish it to the end and to see it all the way through. Because I think it's one of those pieces of game making that everybody should experience. I don't believe that you should play it all the way through to the end if you're not having fun with it. There are YouTube videos for that, thankfully. Um, but it's one of those rare pieces of art that is hard to describe in certain aspects. And is really innovative in a lot of aspects. And... I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad that I played. I didn't appreciate it the way that you did, Brittany or Steimer. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I didn't play very much of Red Dead Redemption. But I still appreciated it for what it was, not having, you know, had that narrative background. Yeah, it's an incredible game. And it's hard to believe it's here. It's been out. We just did a spoiler cast on it after waiting for, what, eight years for this thing? Mm hmm. All right. Yep. And, and now, now maybe someday Red Dead Online will get its act together. <laughs> we can go back to it. <laughs> yeah. um, well, thank you so much for hanging in there with us, everybody. We know it's been a long one, and we hope that you enjoy the discussion. If there's a favorite moment you had from the game, you know, let us know. We're going to be uh, uploading this spoiler cast as its own video, so please refrain from making any comments about the spoiler cast section of the episode uh, publicly because you know we want to keep this for private from people who don't want to be spoiled that's why we gave the warning at the very beginning of this segment um but we hope you enjoyed it and uh we will be back next week with more games to talk about uh, there's actually a new game coming out in a couple of months that i got to play today that i can talk about next week it's going to be very exciting mm-hmm. um, until then have a fantastic weekend and we'll see you next time bye everybody 